Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. I'm the founder of a website and a ministry called xxxchurch.com. And I'm excited that your church is going to tackle this issue of pornography. It shouldn't be the elephant in the pew. But so many churches are scared to address this topic. Not here. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to be sharing with you some resources, some helps right from the Bible on how we can talk and navigate the issues of pornography and sexuality. This is a big deal. Don't think it... It doesn't affect people right here in your church. It does, and it starts early, and it's not just the men. About a third of women sitting in church are dealing with this. So come out. I'm excited to share with you and offer you some hope when it comes to tackling this issue. Welcome to the loft. Now, I was over there worshiping, and I was just overwhelmed by just what God was doing because I know there's people in here hurting. And I thank Craig and and their team for what they're doing and the resources they put together. And there's some resources in your seat right now. And I just hope and pray for those who are hurting, for those who are literally in this category that we're talking about today, that will be bold enough to, to reach out. To reach out because today is the last day. We'll talk about it from the stage for a while. But the issue is is bigger than just one subject. There's a ton of touchy subjects. And we're going to touch them as much as we can today. But I just want to say thanks for coming and thanks for joining us online. And, and for those who just took some time out today just to be with us up here in the loft, it's, it's, man, it's already been a great day for worship. And it's not over yet. And so I just want you to lean in. And whatever you came in here with, whatever the baggage that you brought up here into the loft, I just hope and pray that you can just release it. And release it over to Christ because he's here to set you free. You might not know that yet, but I hope you will feel it. I hope you start to feel it and understand it. That, man, there's one reason why you showed up today, and it's not by accident. It's by Christ allowing you to participate with us to be set free from some addictions, maybe some bondage, or something that's holding you hostage. And so the big touchy subject that we're dealing with today is literally the elephant in the room. And we talked about it on, the, on, on day one, three weeks ago, which is pornography. And porn is a huge subject, especially in churches. And if, and if you haven't caught, if you're new with this, your first time guest, you're like, what did we just step into? You know, I would encourage you to at least go back and check out our website or our iTunes account so you can catch up and you can understand and, and be a part of the journey because what we have realized, it's touching everybody. And so before we dive, 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 dive really deep into this subject, right? I just want to take a minute and let you know of a couple things that I think are worthy of our time and, and efforts of at least having a, a conversation. Next week, we begin a brand new series, uh, and that brand new series is going to be a short one, but it's, it's We, Not Me. And we talked about this maybe about three or four years ago as we, we transitioned up here to the loft, and I think it's worthy enough to go back and visit, but it's, it's, it's We, Not Me, dealing with how we should all be a part of the church's mission and no longer just consumers, but contributors to seeing the love of Jesus Christ create movements, not buildings. Did you hear me say that, church? 
movements, not buildings. And as, as we launch next week, we're going to, to address in week one words to live by. Words to live by. You know, mother said some great words. And next week is Mother's Day, by the way. Don't miss that one. You, sh- you should be aware of that one, right? Mother's Day, words to live by. I'm sure she said what? Put your hat on when it's raining and cold outside. You'll get sick, right? Words to live by. Or maybe there's some other ones, you know, that you need to live by. You just don't want to miss out. And I promise you, maybe even bring your mom, and I promise it might even change her life as well because we're going to honor them in a special way. The following week is, is what the church is and what it should be. And as we see people go public with their faith, and if that's something of interest, you heard Cody mention it earlier, come see me. Come talk to one of the campus pastors. We want to talk about what it means for you to take a next step and go public with your faith. And that last week, you know, Memorial Day weekend, we're going to finish strong with, with a series uh, as we reach out. We, we're reaching people for Christ, which actually leads me to this next big idea that I need to address this morning before we even jump in. And it's, it's Love Loud Now. And if you don't know what Love Loud Now is for us, it's basically where we literally take the love of Christ and do something with it now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not to say we're going to talk about it. We do it now. And so if you ever heard about a mission trip or VBS or things like that, especially in our culture we do, uh, this is like one all summer long, okay? This is literally uh, teams that go out into our community. Uh, We have four teams this summer literally going out into our community, different locations that will be serving all summer long. I, I don't have time to serve. Well, it's only on specific nights, okay? But we want to get outside the walls, and we want you to get involved serving. And the quickest way you can get involved and plug into the culture here. It's literally by serving because we're big into action and not just words. We want you to be a part of a movement and not just a building. We literally want you to get out and get involved because we can know that when that happens, you can effectively change somebody else's life. And we've seen huge results over this for the past couple of years. And this year, is we're sending out four teams, and we just want you to be a part of that. And if that's something of interest, you need to talk to Joseph. He's in charge of those teams this year, and you can see him back at Connection Point or downstairs. You can't miss him. A little short dude about this tall. You know, he, he, he talks to everybody, uh, but I'm just kidding. I love him to death, uh, but he is great, and he is great what he does, and he just, he just, he literally has a passion for Jesus that wants, to, he wants the world to know, and so I hope you will strongly consider serving with us as we jump into our communities this summer, and it starts now, because if you don't prepare, you won't see prosperity, and so we're going to join in and just literally jump in, start praying over what God wants to do with our hearts, and go see what he can do with others. And so now, over the past two weeks, you know, we've addressed porn head on. We have. We have tackled this head on, calling it the elephant in the pew and an elephant in the room uh, because it's, it's one of those touchy subjects that is difficult to address. And the question is, is why? Because no one really wants to address it. it we, we just hope it goes away. Um, when you read your Bible at home, you know, you, you sort of stumble across some things. And did you ever notice uh, Jesus addressing the issues over and over again that no one really wanted to address? You got to ask yourself, why did he do that? Why did Jesus tackle subjects that no one really wanted else to touch? And it's because life with Jesus is better. And Jesus makes our life better. And so when we put the two together and we follow him and follow his instructions, it changes everything. It literally changes everything because life is better with Jesus and Jesus makes our life better. Today, I hope, if, I hope you are not just ready to address it, but you're ready to be healed from it. 
and ask for protection from it over your families and let's move on. Let's clean it up and get it away. I want you to know each person here has been literally prayed over. How do I know that? If you've been sitting in one of these chairs, you've been prayed over. It's not by accident that you're here. You may be here and you may have your spiritual bumpers up ready to defend yourself. You're not ready to tackle this subject. It's too personal. Or maybe you're like, "Ah, it doesn't affect me. I don't have anything to do with it. And you're just pushing back. Or you feel like the walls are closing in on you and you can't breathe right now. You're like, what did I just step into? I just want you to know this one thing. You've heard it since day one when we started talking about this, is you're not alone. You're not alone. If the numbers are right, which I believe they are after talking to many, many families over the past three, four weeks here, addressing this subject, I just want to thank you for being bold enough to reaching out to me and sending some messages or phone calls or meeting me face to face. You'd be surprised. I've met family after family dealing with this, and some of them are really deep and entrenched in it. There's no judgment here. Literally, there's only going to be healing from confessing it. But this is what we do know. This is some of the things that we do know. Every second, every second, every second, there's $3,000 spent on pornography. Every second, there's $3,000 spent on porn. One out of every three women view it monthly. 70% of men from 18 to 24-year-old view it monthly. One in two families are struggling with porn right now in their families. And you can just look around. That's like half of you guys right now. You're like, ah, it's not, well, just look around. I guarantee it, it's affecting your family somehow. You might say, oh, I, I promise you, I've had stories even this week said that my son doesn't view it, but they had a kid walk up and show him a picture on his cell phone. I'm telling you, you're struggling with it right now. There are over 68 million daily searches for porn on the internet in the U.S. alone a day. 90% of all children ages 8 to 16 have seen it or engaged in it daily. Largest consumers of porn daily are 12 to 17-year-old boys. All I can say is hide your phones, smash your computers, disconnect your TVs because it's coming for them. It's coming for them. It is literally attacking them from all angles. And their hormones do not know how to handle it. That's why we have to make disciples. We have to literally break the walls of addiction down and teach them, like we talked about in Deuteronomy 6, teach them the dangers of this addiction. See, porn is the number one sex slave trading agency in the, re- in the world. I don't know if you caught that one. But pornography is the number one sex slave trading reason in the world. Most people don't think that one little click, one little click or slide doesn't hurt anybody. But let me tell you, it entraps thousands of girls for the rest of their lives because of our desire or a pleasure. And I'll just address it this way. You're like, well, I don't dabble in that. You're like, oh, I've just taken a, a picture, a pic, and from some of the older people, it's, it's a picture. They've abbreviated picture for whatever reason. And we've sent them now in, 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 a, in a text message. And I know you don't, probably don't know text messages, but, but it's, there's a little device in here. We can send little words versus picking up the phone and calling somebody. I know it's the weirdest thing in the world. But now they're sending images and they're pictures, and it's called sexting. It's visual images. And it's more of a big deal in this culture than anybody could ever imagine. But as soon as you get a sext, 
Here's what I want to address to those teenagers and, and adults who are sending it. If you choose to send it, you'll never get it back. You can say I can delete it, I can do whatever. I'm telling you, it's on your phone for the rest of your life. I had someone come up to me last week and said, man, it's always stored on your phone. The only way physically to get rid of it is probably to take your phone, go to the nearest volcano, and throw it in there. No one laughed at that one, but that's probably the truth. Only way to dispose of it is to literally completely destroy the phone. But if you send it to somebody, guess what? It's out there. You have no control of it. What we know is over 30 million people a day are finding porn, and porn is finding them. Who are these people who struggles with porn? Women, men, kids, coaches, teachers, the person in front of you, the person to the left of you, the person to the right of you, the person behind you, even pastors deal with it. 20 some odd percent of all pastors are hooked. See, no one is left off this list. This list comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it comes to everybody. What we wanted to address, that if you're struggling or your family is struggling or someone in your extended family is struggling, I just want to let you know you're not alone. And for the rest of today in our talk, we want to put the Bible into practice or application and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move us and, Lord willing, break free from some of these, these hostages, these hostages moments where it's holding you captivity and address the elephant in the room head on. You see, the reason why porn exists is to get you to do one thing, covet. The reason why porn exists is to get you to covet or lust. You see, porn in its basic formation is coveting. And if you know your Bible, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? Moses walked down with these big, huge tablets, right? First one is what? Come on, somebody, church people. What's the first one? What? Thou shalt not have any what? God. That's right. So, the rest of them, don't even need them, really. We do not need the rest of them because if you put God first, I promise the rest of them take care of themselves. But eventually there's some other ones, and one of them is covet. Porn is one of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 27, it says, Thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's house, your wife, neighbor's wife, male or female, servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Anything. You're not supposed to look at someone else's and think, I wonder what it would be like if I was with them. Or I wonder. Remember last year, last week, I, the wondering eyes? If you're not married to them, you have no right to lust after them. And that, my friend, should have deserved a little bit better amen from the women out there. I'm just saying, maybe you're a little dead. Let's try it again. If you're not married to them, you have no right to lust after them. There we go. We're alive. Just so the people online, there's more than one person out here. You have no right to fantasize after them. And that includes pornography, which includes sexting. And men, if you're caught up in this, I'll just say it this way. Because that's all pornography and it exists to get you to covet to want something more or impure that you don't have. And just because you do it between you and your wife doesn't mean it's, it's still an image. Allow your wife to come home and do that versus what she does online. I'm telling you to be more pleasurable for you, okay? I'm telling you that image will burn in your brain and entrap you someplace and take you further you do not want to go. 
while we are here for a minute, let me just address it this way. And I told you I was going to go fast and furious after this this morning. That's why I've been over praying because I've been scared as a cat. But at the same time, I know the Holy Spirit is telling me to do it. You know, I think we have to redefine uh, purity. I, I think purity for our marriages has to be re- redefined a little bit. This may be tough for some of you. But if you are married, listen up. And for those who are not or getting married, take notes. There's some cards for you. This may change everything for the rest of your life. But being sexually pure is not letting, take notes, here we go, is not letting anything but your spouse arouse you. That one's deep, I know. But being sexually pure is not letting anything but your spouse sexually arouse you. If we choose to follow Jesus We have to raise the bar on this one and raise the standards and stop cheating with technology. You see, this is what I found out. The U.S., our government, and everybody else, the courts, they can't even define pornography. But the Bible does. And it says, thou shall not covet. It's plain and simple. It's black and white. And if you know my Bible, it is precious. In his sight, right? And see, they, they've struggled, the courts have struggled for a long time to define it. For the purposes of our discussion today, here's what it means. We, it we means movies that are explicit, photos that are explicit, websites web that are explicit. In addition to, to films and, and hardcore forms, we're also talking about softcore films, some of the men magazines that basically show as much as pornography did just a couple generations ago. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can go to any checkout lane and see it. It's kind of embarrassing standing there having to describe why is a person not wearing much clothes to your daughter. And the same is true for women's magazines. Some of them sitting literally in the grocery aisles at Kroger and other places. They're coming after you guys. They're coming after your eyes. Showing things that a few generations ago prior would have been tucked away under a shelf, not for public viewing. You had to go find it because it would have been not qualified for, or it's, it's now not qualified for pornography. Not to mention the headlines that are shouting out even to our children. I would even go as far as to include some romance novels. Just being honest, I'm going to hit everything. I told you, I'm, all gloves are off today which encourages women to have pornographic fantasies. Well, gray. Some people know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've watched it, uh, magic. See, I, I didn't even say the last name. I just said magic, and it came out. And so I I know it exists and it's coming and I know it's fighting the internal desire because there's a bunch of ladies who want to go watch this silly person dance with no clothes on at the movies and then you walk away going, I wonder why my husband doesn't do that. (laughs) Come on. Because we're smarter than dance like that in public. Just saying. 
You see, which encourages women to have pornographic fantasies in their mind and someone other than their husband. And, and the same goes for men who are also such in sinful fantasies everywhere. You see, porns culturally is a, just literally a fairly recent phenomenon in its current form. I know it's kind of hard to believe, but to be honest, in previous generations and cultures, you had images drawn and things out of that nature up on the walls, but everything changed in 1953. It was the debut of the first pornographic magazine, which was the issue of most little boys' fantasies, which was, see, you guys know, a bunch of sinners. <laughs> the issue of Playboy with the now legendary Marilyn Monroe on the cover. And with the sexual revolution of the 1960s and 70s, pornography became much more popular. It became much more graphic. And then you have other magazines out there or things called Hustler, Penthouse, pushing the envelope and others trying to outdo them so that now there's real competition to see who can have the most extreme and newest edge when it comes to the images. And what's happened is now pornography is now mainstream. And culturally speaking, you have mainstream pop celebrities half-dressed on the red carpet, making their own sex tapes, and distributing their own pornography. And you also have those who, as well as develop their own identity and make up a whole new person and made their living in the porn industry, crossing over into the mainstream, doing television shows, mainstream movies, appearing in reality TV shows, and the like. It's a huge market, and it's a huge business, and it's every little girl's fantasy to be in the limelight. And if we know... The line between pornography culture and the pop culture is so blurred and not altogether eliminated. And it's such an industry today that's between 10 and $15 billion a year that's spent on this in the U.S. alone. That is more combined revenue, by the way, than pro baseball, basketball, and football teams all together. That's more money than was spent on foreign aid to the United States of America last year. Additionally, globally, it's a phenomenon often tied to sex trade and slavery. Upwards of over $90 billion is spent a day on globally on porn. Spent in a year, sorry, not daily. Doesn't matter. That's enough money to feed 4.8 billion people a day. It's only 7.2 on the face of this earth. We could eliminate starvation immediately if we tackle this issue. You see, some of you say, well, I, I don't contribute any money to it, but you do, because the advertisements are the ones who pay for the fee. Every time you click, you are legalizing or legitimizing the existence of the porn. You are participating in a culture of slavery. Hey, teenagers, listen, I know you think slavery is wrong, but every time you click, guess what you're doing? You're entrapping somebody. You're promoting it. Every time you click, you're hurting a little girl. Matter of fact, you can look around and just the odds says that one child out of ever so many will be abducted this year and be entrapped into this. So every time you click, listen, you're hurting people. And it's not fun to hurt people is what my mom always said. 
She said, when I hurt people, I have to go what? That's right. Confess it up. Apologize and move on. It kind of hurts. You see, there is no such thing as free porn. The people participating pay, the advertisers to pay, so that you can enjoy the suffering, the shame, and the humiliation. Not, all, not, not to forget the drugs that's involved and the lifelong scarring that's involved. You see, we need to know so they will stop growing. We need to address this head on so literally we can squash it, the lies from Satan. You see, but in 2007, something changed. Literally, just 10 years ago, it's 2017, so in 10 years, literally something changed. And I'll show you exactly what changed. I have it right here in front of me. It came in everybody's hands. It's too easy. It literally is so simple now to view it on Instagram, Snapchat, every little app out there. It's at your beck and call. And parents, if you do not have protective devices on your devices, it's like giving them a loaded gun, walking out of the room and saying, good luck. Don't shoot your eye out. I can't be serious enough about this. It's a dangerous situation. Yeah, technology is amazing, but done in the wrong way, it can kill us. And some of you are sitting there, but I don't know how to get out of it. And I'm scared to death because I'm afraid somebody's going to find out. Truth is, they already know. People already know. I mean, if you want the truth, we can go look at these images real quickly and tell you what you've been looking at pretty quickly. Just a little history browser right there at the top. You can't clear everything. You can't swipe it all out. And besides that, that's just us. Guess who else knows? You can't hide from him. You may think you are because you're in the dark. Guess who created the dark? Come on. I don't want you to live in fear anymore. I don't want you to be feel defeated. I don't think that's the way we were designed. See, today it's about addressing it head on the same as Christ would. Head on and not afraid. And I just want to say thanks for being here. A lot of Christian advice, though, over the years about porn addicts is what I found out, especially dealing with a lot of people who are struggling, is unhelpful. And this is what I found out, meaning it doesn't contribute to real progress or repentance and healing and restoration or recovery. It just sort of gets us in church and we'll be okay. I'm just being honest. Coming to a church service ain't going to get you healed. But I know a dude who can heal you. He can do that at home on the screen. You just got to be open and honest to Jesus. What I've learned from many of you, often Christian advice either has its head in the clouds of theology and biblical references. Here, just use this one. Use this one. Use this one. That's a good verse. Or it's a list of spiritual, superficial how-tos and, and do-nots and thou shouts. And gets knocked beneath the sand of real life. Failure. And the struggle for hope gets beaded to death. <laughs> 
How is the gospel relevant to failing and trying again and failing and trying again, what I've heard, and failing and trying again over and over? How is the gospel relevant? Today, I pray that the gospel hits you so hard because we're going to address it in a way that's God-honoring and hopefully can set some people free from this huge addiction in a way we can break the chains and no longer live in fear. See, the last couple of weeks, what we've addressed head on is this. We've encouraged you to do this. If you're struggling with anything or any kind of touchy subject, we've addressed this in a way that hopefully has allowed you to be laser focused with any hang up, hurt, or habit is to what? Fix your eyes on what? Come on, church, say it with me. Fix your eyes on Jesus. To fix your eyes on Jesus. You can't go wrong with Jesus. If you're going to start someplace, fix your eyes on Jesus. And that was found in Hebrews 12. You've taken notes. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people following Jesus, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us. Meaning if there's anything literally that's on you, get rid of it that is not of Jesus. And it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. You see, I believe if we fix our eyes on Jesus, he can fix anything. He can fix anything, y'all. I'll just say this, uh, you know, that, 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 that's good. <laughs> you know, I've been in churches all my life, and I have never figured this one out. It's like when, I, when something, a pastor says something good, like, you know, and it's, it's one of those things. You hear this in churches, especially Baptist church. I grew up in Baptist, so I get a chance to, to pick on my friends and, and me. But it, it's just like you hear something good, and all of a sudden you hear, mmm, mmm. <laughs> and what, we got booing cows up here? Are y'all eating on grass? Mmm, mmm. Preacher, pastor, mmm. Mmm. You're elbowing somebody. Mmm. Now you got a chicken wing going on. It's chicken and cows. It's not, this, what do we, come on, it's the gospel. This ain't a cow. Just saying. Mmm. It should be Amen. Come on. That's right. This is Jesus I'm talking about. I guarantee if you walked in the, in the room, you wouldn't be like, mmm. Mmm. You'd be like, Jesus. You'd be taking off running. Just saying. You see, this is what I know about Christ. He can and will address this if you address it. Not saying nothing. You had to be here, folks, online. You see, the stories that we read week after week out of the gospel, out of my Bible, are not just oral stories that are passed on for for just great storytelling on Sunday mornings. These are documents of real men being healed. These are women who are being restored. Children coming alive, guys. 
Families' lives being put back together piece by piece because of Jesus Christ, the one who came to redeem us. He saved us. He rescued us from sin. These are people are no different than you or I because they are broken men and women too. You are not alone. And who put all their trust into people? Who put all their trust into Jesus? Who put all their trust into the churches? You gotta put that concept into thinking just for a second. There's people... They've placed a lot of faith into people and they've let them down. There's been people who've put their trust and hope into churches <laughs> and they walked away. But I've never met a person who put their hope and fix in Christ Hallelujah. and it devastated them. It typically sets them free. And so out of all those three things, I tell you this, if you put your faith in Jesus, and you love him with all your soul and strength and mind and allow Jesus to change you from the inside out and you follow him with everything, you are no longer a slave to fear and you will not walk in shame, guilt, or remorse ever again. You see, those people in the stories, in the Bible, they only walked in light and truth in the love of Christ because Christ changed everything. You see, this is what we've said since day one when we started this movement. When Jesus enters the house, everything changes. It's just that simple. If you allow him to move into your house, it changes everything. When you read the Bible, when you decide to follow Jesus and you put his words into action or application, if there ever comes a time, I want you to listen up, if there ever comes a time when you read through the Bible and you disagree what is in your Bible or the Bible rubs you the wrong way, maybe draws tension in your life and you're, you're like, what is this? I don't know if I can follow this. Maybe this doesn't make any sense to me. And you start following your own Bible? Maybe you've created your own Jesus. And maybe your Jesus is you. I didn't hear any moo cows that time, by the way. <laughs> Let me just say it this way. If you're reading your scriptures and you're hearing the word of God and you're listening and it doesn't rub you the wrong way, you're not following Jesus. You're following whatever you want to follow it. Culture Christianity is what I would call it. Go to church on Sunday, get my word on, go home, do whatever the heck I want to. It ain't hurting nobody. It's not Jesus. No wonder why people hate Christians. No wonder. Come on, let's just be real. Why go to church, right? Why go to church? Because it ain't real. They don't see Jesus. They see you. When you say, teenager, you go to church and you're involved in youth group and you do this and do that, but you show this little picture, hey, come here. What is that telling the person that doesn't go to church? You do one, two, you skip that one, and then four, five. No. You do them all. You follow the word of God, even though it's hard to do. You know why? Because it changes everything. Yeah. 
There's nothing that's left unexempt here. It changes everything when Jesus enters the house. And that's my question, has he? Has he? You see, if Jesus can't create tension in your life, then, then he does not have your attention. If he does not create tension in your life, then he doesn't have your attention. And maybe he doesn't have your heart. Because Jesus is always trying to push us to a different place in life by the words he breathes. To go beyond our comfort zone of what we think is right. To love thy enemy. It's easy to love our friends. To move closer. To move us closer to him on a daily basis. To get our attention to those things keeping us in the dark. Touchy subjects. See, the problem is a lot of us don't want to step into the light because we know it's going to cause change. It's going to hurt. We feel like it is because sometimes, we, to be honest, we step out, we feel like we're sunburned. I promise you this is going to be the greatest sunburn you will ever have. You see, we need Jesus, not just on Sundays. Do you remember one of the statistics, by the way, that we read on week one? When porn is viewed the most, and for some of you, yeah, Sundays, it's viewed the most out of all. Porn is viewed Sundays on the most. You know when we need him the most, apparently? is right after we go home from the sermon on Sunday. If the statistics are real, and I believe they are, because you know why? A lot of you guys are coming and saying, man, we need help. So I believe in this stuff. I believe in the words of Jesus. I believe in the idea of fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And if he's not, then you got, there's your issue. I mean, we should not go any further. I think one of the biggest reasons why we struggle with, with not just porn, but every other addiction out there is we truly do not follow Jesus and what he says. We just want to put a Band-Aid on it and hope it heals itself. You see, I've got kids, four of them, three of them, accident prone. They take after me. You know, we, we put Band-Aids on everything in my house. It's like if you just run into a corner, oh, I got a boo-boo, put a Band-Aid on it. It makes you feel better. There's no, there's no hurt there. Now, if there's a gushing wound, what are we going to do? Take him to, yeah, the ER. Let's get something else more than just a Band-Aid because the Band-Aid's not going to fix that issue. You see, what I found out is over time and over history, we got a lot of Band-Aids on things in churches. A lot of our marriages are falling apart because we just put a Band-Aid on it, not Jesus. We, we think we just get them to church and the church will fix it. Have you not looked around? This is one messed up place full of messed up people who have similar issues because the statistics are real. And the only person who can fix it is not a Band-Aid, it's not me, it's not church, it's Jesus. Now, the question is, is how do we do this? With time I got left, how do we do this? Acts 2, if you got your Bible. Acts 2. Acts 2, 38 through 41. It says, we, we find Peter one of the apostles of disciple who, disciple who was walking with Jesus. He says it this way. Luke records it this way in the book of Acts. And he says it to those people who killed Jesus, actually were living in sin, 
because they wanted to know how they could get forgiveness and ask for it because Jesus was a, you know, back from the dead. Uh, and they, they, they want life. They want to move forward. And he said this in Acts 2, 38. He says, Peter replied. He said, this is what you got to do. Repent. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, it says, the promises is for you and your children, for all of you who are, are far off. I love that language. Far off. You may think you're tracking right, but you're tracking wrong. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this. Ooh, this is good. You think we got a corrupt generation? They had one too. Corrupt generation. Verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message, those who received it, and repented, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine what that looked like, by the way? If you've been in church all your life, when's the last time you saw 3,000 people get baptized in one day? I'm game for that one. I'll shoot videos all day long for that if we can create a movement like that, guys. That would be amazing. You see, we get stuck in this cycle I call the repentance cycle. If you can draw a figure eight like it, come on, everybody get the figure eights out. Come on, draw a figure eight. Come on, everybody got to participate. Figure eight. Got it? Figure eight. You see, what, I, what we figured out is this. We start over here with our relationship with, with us, and we, so we want to go this way, but what ends up happening is we start sliding this way. It's a big U shape. And we know we do something wrong when we should be going this way, but all of a sudden, we want to get things right. And God is over here coming back up. But what we create is this false perception of going up. And we get into this figure eight, this cycle of death. God's over here, but down here we're in this figure eight cycle. And what I would call it is the cycle of repentance. You see, a lot of people in our families, marriage is another thing, church, has said just, just, just ask for forgiveness. And we've asked for forgiveness, but it's really not repenting. It's not repent from the sin. It's actually caught in this trap of cycle of death. And what happens is you'll feel good for a little bit, and you're like, I'm feeling better, I'm feeling better, but this is the right of God, and you've created your own false God going this way. I've got this. You really didn't give it over to God. You just went to church. And then all of a sudden, something turns. You start going back down. And as you start going back down, you get back here, and you get, you get past this, the sex thing. You get past, now you're into the other thing, whatever the addiction is, and now you're into, but now you're into it deep, and you know it's wrong because you heard something on Caleb of the Jesus Calling book. Just saying. And then all of a sudden, culturally, you know it's wrong, and you come back out of it, and you're like, you feel the remorse, the shame, the guilt, and so you start coming back to church, and it gets back into this cycle of death. And maybe it's a little closer to this relationship, but the only thing Jesus says, and Peter record, says it out loud, and Luke records it, is repent from it. Call the ACAs and get away from it. Repent and stop sinning. The only way you can move closer to Jesus and get on track with him is to repent and allow him to be the center of your life and get away from it. Now, when we do this, this is one of the toughest parts about coming towards Jesus. And why? Because it deals with confession. Got completely quiet in here. Why? You see, confession is the bridge that connects the heart to the healing. That's why. 
It's, it's way better than just a quick fix or a Band-Aid. It's how brokenness becomes whole. It's how hurt becomes healed. And it's how the dark places of our lives find the light. So why is confession and repenting so hard? It's because we have a hard time being truthful with ourselves. No, that's not right. Because many of us are very truthful about other things. Is it because we don't want help? No, because many of us do, if we're really honest. You see, confession is so hard because we love ourselves. We put ourselves before everybody else. In our heart of hearts, we care about how people see us. The last thing we want to be viewed is viewed as is a porn addict or something else that immediately lumps up in us as a class that would culturally of social rubbish, a serial rapist, a murderer, a pedophile, an adulterer, a prostitute, and who knows whatever else. It's not pleasant company, and we've branded people. What is so hard to see from that place of secrecy is that so much of our shame is our own making. We do not tell because we are afraid or the fear of others ultimately seeing us the way we see ourselves. We think we can be, there, there can be no way that I'll ever confess that. And confession leads to anything other than humiliation. We imagine forever walking around with the label doomed to bear the condemnation for the sin for the rest of our lives. And so we just get into the cycle of death and never repent it. And we always go back to it. Suffering. Hurting. But we are wrong. And here's what I know to be true. Confession leads to grace. And it moves us closer to Jesus. And life is better with? You see, confession removes one of the last obstacles standing between us and freedom. And here's what it is. Pride. We love ourselves. And the amount that we admit that we make mistakes, that that moment that moment we confess that we actually aren't that lovable, that the love of ourself dies and we do not have to live in fear anymore. So here are three quick things and we're going to wrap this up. And I believe we all need to do this if we, if we are struggling with, with any type of hang-up, hurt, or habit. And this is past, literally, pornography at this point. This goes way past this. It's any touchy subject in your life any type of addiction. You see, 1 John 1.9 says this, basically. Confess it to God. Number one, confess it to God. Not just, sorry, God. Not just, hey, I'm sorry, God. Because you go right back to it. Not just, hey, God, I, I really ask you for forgiveness. No, 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 you go right back to that. We know that. No more death cycles here, right? No more Band-Aids. But a real, true confession 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive us and his sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm telling you, confess it to God and allow him to start to move you. Number two, confess this to someone else. Now, I heard the big gulp come up, right? 
This is not going to be the easy one. The brother of Jesus, the one who did not follow Jesus until he came back to life, but then gave every last breath he had to follow Jesus because he was more than just a brother. He was his Lord and Savior. He wrote this in James 5, 16 because he knew what we were going to be talking about today. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You see, this is church, and we are stronger together when this happens. When we pray for one another, when we confess your sins, you will, you will prosper. Think about this. Confess your sins and you will prosper. Confine your sins and you will not. You can tweet that one all day long. Confess your sins and you'll prosper. Confine your sins to yourself. You will not. Most of us wait until we get caught and then we confess. True, isn't it? We, we wait until we get caught and then we confess. But then we only confess half of it and then they find out the rest of it later on. It's just weird how that works. And it's broken. Why can't we be followers of Jesus and confess it and watch what prospers? You may think you can hide this from others, but you can't hide it from God. Lies only work. Wait a minute. Lies never work. You're waiting for the answer on that one. Some of you were. You're going to take notes. Lies never work because it may work for a minute, but it's the cycle of death. The only person that's hurting is you, and then it's hurting someone else. But then you're lying to yourself, and then you created your own Jesus, which is the greatest lie of them all. You may be afraid to tell the truth, but I promise you, the lie that you're hiding, the sin, is only hurting you even more. And it's hurting others around you because we're called to something so much more to make disciples. You see, sin clouds your vision of seeing Christ clearly. It's like a fog. Paul says sin is, is there to trip you up, trip you up over and over again. We have to confess it and remove falling down so we can see clearly with 20-20 vision of him, our eyes fixed and locked together. There's no greater joy is what the Bible says, right? The joy set before us. Number three, last thing. I think we have to clean it up. We've got to clean it up. You have to say, I don't want it anymore. Uh, you know, in, in Proverbs, in Proverbs 26, 11, some of you are like, I didn't know this verse existed, but it does. It says, as a dog returns to vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Now, I've got dogs as well, and I've seen them puke, and it's kind of disgusting after they gobble down all this food. They indulge in it, and it's like, and all of a sudden it just, you know, and then they go back over there and they lick it back up. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Matter of fact, when I'm, we had a child, you know, a child early on in their marriage and, and they puked in the bed, my dog jumped up and he's just licking it up. I'm like, no, that's just, wait a minute, go ahead. You know, I'm just, <laughs> my wife, hey, I cleaned it up, honey. Good job, Patch. You know, it's one of those moments. But seriously, we do the same thing, don't we? I want to get clean. I don't want to do it no more. No, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Woo. Hey, that's a nice picture. Uh, 
We think we're smarter than dogs, but we go back to it over and over again, expecting something different. We go back to the screenshots, the relationships on social media, at work, traveling on business trips by yourself. You need to clean it up. Those hidden apps aren't hidden. Snapchats aren't, come on, clean them up. Here's an idea. If you have an iPhone, it's your pleasure, and it's the thing that you use the most, you need to go into your local store and ask for a downgrade. I know it sounds crazy, and sometimes you get the upgrades, and you can do all kinds of crazy things. It actually costs you a little bit more, and they might give you a 5% discount for the first three months. I'm telling you, read the fine print. But guess what? You can walk in there any day of the week and say, I want a downgrade. And they're like, what? Let me just check and see if you're downgrade. Um, actually, you're available for a downgrade. Any person in here can go in and ask for a downgrade. You know what happened? You'll get a nice little flip phone. Guess what happened? You get a flip phone. You won't get any more images. You can't do certain things with a flip phone. Matter of fact, you can't text. You're like, uh, mm, mm, mm. Mm -mm -mm. forget it. Hey, I'm just going to call you in the first place. Guess what? Open communication. It works every single time. Texting is for the birds. I'm telling you, you will not go wrong by downgrade. It will actually save you money. You can increase all kinds of great things. You can buy your wife all kinds of cool things next week. For Mother's Day, if you downgrade, I'm telling you, it works. It can help your marriage. It can help your future marriage. Downgrade and watch what happens. If you follow Jesus and or you're reading the Bible, and Jesus' words does not create tension on what you're needing to do in your life right now, then maybe you're not following Jesus, guys. And as the band comes up and begins to play and, and invite some worship into our lives, maybe you're following your own Jesus. And that's the point of today. If you're following Jesus, and you think you are, and or you're reading the Bible and Jesus' words do not create enough tension in your life and what you need to be doing in your life right now, then maybe you're not following Jesus. Maybe you're following your own version of Jesus and maybe, maybe you're following yourself and what you've created through church culture. You see, it's the cycle of death. And, and the only one that I know who wants your life, literally in the cycle of death, in John 8, it says Satan is the father of all lies who wants you to feel fear, shame, remorse, guilt. Think if you come clean, you will not be loved anymore. He's lying. You'll be hurt or you'll hurt someone else if you just keep it a secret. Think about this one. Jesus is referred to as light, truth, and love. Satan is referred to as dark, lies, and hate. You choose which one you're going to follow. You can either step into the light or stay in the dark. It all starts with your decision to follow Jesus. And we know from the very beginning, Jesus makes life better. So I'm going to give you two quick tools. They're going to play some worship, and I'm going to invite you to stand and sing, and we're going to just ask the Holy Spirit to move. But if you're really struggling with this and you're too prideful, maybe the first step for you is just to, to, to literally email somebody. You need to, to email this right here site, help at triplexchurch.com. You can't go wrong with that one. Reach out, contact them, watch what happens. Number two, since we started this, we've been praying for this and, and we've, we've, got, we've launched now about eight Celebrate Recoveries through the Hope Network, which we're a partner of. And what we've decided to do is not just, just launch continuous of, of addictions for, for physical addictions as far as uh, substance abuse, but we think there should be another one. 
with sexual abuse and addiction. And so tomorrow night, starting at Indian Hills Christian Church, we're gonna launch our first sexual addiction unit here in Danville, Kentucky. And if you need help, I'm telling you. If you need help, you can go there and, and feel no judgment. And if you need more help than that, you can come see me in private, text me, trust me. We're meeting with a lot of families right now. We're praying over their families. We're just asking for healing. And you can ask any, any person here, I promise you, they, they won't look at you differently. They're just going to pray for you. And if there's a card on your seat, you can grab one of those things and, and just review it, pray over it. I just don't want you to be, feel like you're a slave to fear anymore with any addiction, especially with porn. Because I want to punch it right in its face and say, get back. You can no longer have my friends. You can no longer have my family and you're definitely not coming after my boys because I'm going to teach them what it means to honor God first treat women with respect second and love thy neighbor and if I can do that right I know you can too hey it's attacked me it's attacked my family you heard the stories of my wife last week the realness that came where it attacked us I'm telling you, it hurts. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know how to deal with the hurt. That's why Jesus says, step into the light and just trust me every single day of you, the rest of your life. Just trust me. Come on, just keep going. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. You just got to keep going. You got to run the race of perseverance. You need to fix your eyes on me, Jason, because the world is coming at you. He's coming after your boys. He's coming after your daughter. But if you fix your eyes on me, I'm telling you, you ain't got nothing to worry about. You're no longer a slave to fear. If you just focus on me, Everything's going to be okay. And I'm asking you to do the same thing because it takes a, more than one to create a movement. Now, one can start the ripple effect, but I guarantee it when a bunch of people get together and follow Jesus, somebody's going to say, what is going on? When well, you say, hey, one thing's happened. We're no longer a slave to fear. We're no longer going to be afraid to address the touchy subjects of life. My family's coming under attack this has happened to my husband. This has happened to my wife. This has happened to our kids. We're no longer living in fear. We just want to expose the truth and allow Jesus to change us from the inside out. I want to be a part of your life, and I want Jesus to be more of a part of it. And so I'm asking you, if this is affecting you, please come up here in a minute when we start singing and just start to pray. Pray for our community. Pray for our people. Pray for people around you. Pray for the person in front of you, the one behind you. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for your great-grandkids. Pray for your great-great-grandkids. But I'm telling you, the culture is coming after them. And the only person that can help is Jesus. So Jesus, I'm asking you. I'm asking you now to move. We know the truth. And my word says the truth will set me free. I'm praying over the people right now that are just shaking their legs out of fear. as they're just scared to death to confess it because they're just hiding in shame. God, be with the wife who's hurt, who's physically hurt. She doesn't even feel beautiful enough anymore. 
God, be with her. Tell her she's a beautiful bride. And protect her children. God, just move us all closer to you. For whatever the touchy subject is in life, whatever the addiction is in life, let us just repent from it and move past it. Confess it and watch what you do with it. It draws other people into you. So God, I'm asking for favor right now for this body of believers. These people who've gathered here in your name. So we can experience what it means to be free. And we can move. In your name, amen. Hey, the altar's open. They're going to sing some songs. You can sit there. You can pray with your husband. You can pray with your wife. You can pray over your children. Whatever you feel like doing, you can sit there. You can stand. Whatever you want to do, I promise you, you'll not be judged. You're just going to be loved. We're just going to sing two songs. I know it sounds crazy, but we're just going to sing two songs. I'm telling you up front. We're just going to trust God to do what he does. Let's move hearts.